Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I am, I am intoxicated by all this schedule information. No. I just, I, I, I am thrilled. It's like Christmas morning. I'm so excited for the first time in decades, decades. I forgot to shave this morning. Wow. You know, I could tell a little now that you said it. I did not. I did not really notice though. I could see just a little shadow around, you know, your upper lip there and things like that. <laughs> yeah that was that was thursday i let it ride friday chris while you were in your hammock with your mismatched suntan and pina colada right and then and then i let it fly saturday and and Sunday? sunday wow and i was determined to give it until this morning you didn't want to show us and well, here's what happens. On on Sundays, we have family over, especially now that everyone's vaccinated. And I think I know what the rules are. I'm really not sure. But we sit outside and we have pasta. And, you know, when you're going to have company, you need to be presentable. And I've been married almost 27 years. It doesn't take much for me to pick up on the cues, like, like that look that Asks the eternal right. question, what in the hell are you doing? You or what's the, wrong with that's you? That's the one from your wife? Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Well, so, like, listen. I knew I knew it would be I knew it would be wise for me to clean the hair off my face before we had family over last night for dinner. Well, like I I've always gotten the scouting report too in the Florio family, you know, from from multiple people that yeah, I mean, we know Jill runs the household, and of course, is going to tell you when to shave and do those things. But no, the dog does. Well, the dog runs the household. Well, okay, maybe de- maybe the dog might say something to Jill, and then Jill passes it along. <laughs> all right, but you know, I I've also been told by a few people, like your father-in-law. I heard you're scared to death of him too. So I mean, uh, that's probably why you shaved too. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you don't, huh? Okay, I, I, I don't. Not know what, what I heard. About. Not what I, I heard. <laughs> don't. I'd rather talk about Marvin Harrison, frankly. I don't know. What, I don't know who you're referring to. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. No, it's all good. It's all fine. But but it was getting very ratty very quickly, 
And I have a feeling that if I would have shown up with that thing on my face this morning, there would be technical difficulties that would knock us off the air, at least until I went downstairs and shaved. It was it was not good. And it's a great liberating feeling when you finally get that stuff off your face because it really is hot and itchy and uncomfortable and you're always aware of it. Like you're just I, I that's one of the reasons why beyond the fact that I don't think it would come in very thick and it wouldn't look anything like the the Tom Selleck mustache that they slapped onto that's an impressive mustache yeah that's yeah it it's no it's not nearly for me that thick it just would have been scraggly and awful and it just it's just a pain in the ass, and I'm glad I shaved. Yeah, there it is. I, that's no, never happening. Nor that's never like, happening. You sent us a little like a picture of some of the chim music you were you were growing on yes. on Saturday afternoon. Nor was it nice and like brown, like you know Magnum PI. No, I, it's Man. all white. Florio Florio cloth is a real thing. It is really white, which would look really good with your hair. That's why I kind of want to see it. I want to see the white beard. With the the darker hair, you know, you it would look good. I like that. Your beard is weird. Your stash is trash, to quote <laughs> the uh, the Emmett Smith Just for Men commercial. And and that's the other thing, too. Uh, it, it's so, I mean, it's obvious enough when someone dyes their hair. It's so ridiculously obvious when, here goes our Just for Men uh, facial edition sponsorship. It's so ridiculously obvious when you when, die, a, when a sixty year old, sixty eight year old it's man has so, brown hair and yeah. a matching yeah mustache mustache yeah. and beard like he's thirty two or, or or like or like when when Greg Williams had that jet black goatee that laughable jet black goatee yes. I mean, it's so obvious now that that is when it's important to have someone in your life who can yeah. communicate right. the necessary truths to you right. with merely. Merely the turn of a head. Right. That's where you, you need a Jill. Get, you need yeah. a Jill to yeah. come in with that yep. that piercing look to go, holy yeah. cow, you look ridiculous. Go up there and shave. Yes. And she didn't even have to say that. I get it. I get it. My wife has that yeah. same look. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get to let's uh, football. Because 29 teams had rookie minicamps over the weekend. And participation was 100% or damn close to it. We'll talk about that dynamic coming up later in the program. Here we go, though, with the team that has the first overall pick, had the first overall pick in the draft, made it quarterback Trevor Lawrence, recovering from offseason shoulder surgery to his non-throwing shoulder. He's able to throw the football, though. Here he is talking about the limitations the team has placed on him as he continues to recover from that procedure. What's been different for you, or has it been difficult to be on a pitch count? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, I really appreciate the staff here just looking out for my best interest, trying to slowly get me back in, in game shape and throwing shape for practice so I can go out there full go whenever the whole team's back together. So um, that's been good for me. It's a little for me, I want to get out there and just, and just throw and go. But uh, I think it's, it's better for me in the long run just to take it slow and, and get acclimated just because still recovering from my left shoulder. It's feeling great. Um, no complaints here. I'm making great progress, but still got to just be smart and take it easy. But yeah, I'm wanting to go out there and throw a lot, but we're keeping it, you know, around 30 to 40 balls, not including the warm-up. So um, keeping it light just to make sure I'm, I'm feeling good. He's already emulating one of the all-time greats. Did you notice that? No, what? Who? Who? He's 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 got the Peyton Manning red forehead from wearing a helmet. He definitely well, he's got a lot that? of he's got a lot of Peyton. I I believe in him. I really do. That's who I kind of see 
when I when I look at Trevor Lawrence, some of the mannerisms, you know, I don't know. He's got a big forehead like you're talking about, a longer neck like Peyton, kind of the way he handles himself. He wears that 16. So, yeah, I hear you all the way. I mean, that that's the guy, no doubt. Now, that's the ultimate Photoshop job, Peyton Manning with the long, flowing hair. That would be something. <laughs> I assume – during his stint on SNL, maybe at some point he had a wig on that would give him that same look. But that big old red splotch, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't remember seeing a red splotch on his head at Clemson, but maybe that's part of the rights the of new passage helmet. to the NFL. The red splotch, that says Peyton Manning all over it. Um, look, he, he's got to be ahead of schedule, and I think he mentioned he is ahead of schedule because when he had the surgery, they're saying five to six months before he could really do anything. So they're being careful. They're being deliberate. They're getting him out there on the field. There's no competition for him other than Gardner Minshew. I'm telling you, my, my theory on Tim Tebow, to the extent that this is a sideshow, a money grab, you want to sell some Tebow jerseys, you got to get rid of the guy that's currently wearing number 15 before you can do that. And, and, and that's currently the only real competition on the roster for Trevor Lawrence. There's no way he's not the starter week one. No Just way. Just like with Zach Wilson in New York. There's no way. No, no. It's 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 written in stone. You're right. There's no doubt about it. With that situation as far as how the, the quarterback position, that room is on their roster, uh, everything around it. Yes, just like Zach Wilson, they're starting day one. There's no competition. They get the first team reps. And Trevor Lawrence will get that. I mean, I think they're being smart by taking it slow with the shoulder thing and everything like that. Listen, it's his left shoulder, right, Mike? So, yeah, it, it's not like there's a direct impact of him, you know, affecting that, throwing the ball with his right hand and his left shoulder. But still, hey, it is recently, you know, surgically repaired. So maybe they do want to just limit the wear and tear of when you're kind of, you know, pulling that shoulder out of the way to throw the football, that aspect of it. But I'll tell you, I think the biggest thing that I thought of when they said pitch count more than anything is, yeah, pitch count because forget this surgically repaired shoulder. He hasn't thrown the ball much since he played the national championship game and had his pro day. And this is the time of the year. If you come back and start throwing 180, 220 balls a day, all of a sudden, Mike, in my experience, that's when you go a month from now, you start to go, man, my elbow hurts. You know, I don't know. Every time I grab something or every time I let go of the ball, I get a little weird tinge in my elbow. That's how you can really tire your arm out and get arthritis and those type of things like we've seen uh, Brett Favre kind of deal with through the years. So I think it's smart from that aspect to get it in shape, too. One thing that I noticed in the footage of him throwing, it looks like a deliberate conscious effort to it looked keep like that it, right? left arm tight to the body, yeah. not let it flare. Right, not let it, so not the, so let it get out of the way and do that. Right. And, and I think Urban Meyer, the Jaguars coach, talked about that some when he met with reporters this weekend, keeping that left arm under control. I think that is a key to to helping that, that thing recover. Um, as it relates to the number of passes thrown, though, what – what, what if he's throwing thirty to forty right now? Right. What's what's the ideal number? What what do you want to get to? You talked about an extreme amount on the other end that could cause a problem with the throwing arm. Where does he need to be to be ready to go for the week in and week out grind? Right. Well, like right now he's getting a warm up. He's getting loose. He's getting going. Then he gets to do probably some of the individual routes and probably the seven on seven reps. But really, to become a machine as far as just a machine within your, your own mechanics, knowing the offense, you know, and everything like that, 
hey, I, I would say like you know the really good quarterbacks are, on a on a given day, it's going to be between 100 and 150 like real throws, like a day where you have OTAs, you know, or a mini camp. You know, a mini camp you might have two practices in a day where it might be more than that. But I think generally that's what you're looking for. You know, you want to get to the place to where you get your arm in shape and as long as you do things mechanically right, you can basically then now go, wait, I'm in shape, I'm doing things the right way, and now I can really get a lot of reps and reps and reps and reps. And then that repetition starts to, you know, get beaten into your hard wire of your body and your muscles and everything like that. And that's when you can become a machine like a Rodgers, a Mahomes, a Peyton Manning, a Brady, to where they're like a robot. It doesn't matter what that is. So, yeah, right now it's just good he's getting the reps, Mike, but, like, yeah, not to the point to where he's going to need them and, and really be hitting on all cylinders like an NFL starting quarterback. And they're working in that direction, so yeah. he's full go when training camp opens. And part of the challenge for them for now is to get him to remain fully bought in because he wants to go. And as phase two of the offseason program begins today, the OTAs begin next week, he is going to be anxious to do more. That's and right. And are going to have to hold him back. But but there's, there's much to, to be learned because yeah. he's the guy. Week one at Houston, he's the guy. And they knew drafting him that this was going to be part of the plan. This was part of the reality. He was coming off of that surgery. And, and they're, they're taking the smart view. And I think for now, he's all in with it. He understands. And the fact that he doesn't have any real competition reduces that urgency. Definitely. If, if he really did have to climb the depth chart like some of these other young quarterbacks are going to have to do – then I think they'd have a very difficult time, Chris, getting Trevor Lawrence to sign off on 30 or 40 passes a day at this point. You're right. It, it adds a little flexibility to the situation. And the player, yeah, is not chomping at the bit, knowing that he's going to be judged on, like, I need to get out there. I need to compete. I need to be playing at you know my highest level here for me to win the, the starting job. And then you do you know start to push the training staff and the coach for more reps. And that could end to, like I was talking about, the tendonitis or anything like that with, you know, the, 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 the throwing arm, whatever. So there's no rush there. We know he's the man. You're the man, Trevor. Jacksonville do things right. Like, let's not forget, Jacksonville's the organization who needed to see Dante Fowler come off the edge at full speed. Remember that, Mike, like six years ago on the first day of rookie minicamp and towards ACL? There's no need for that. And, yeah, if I'm Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence right now, like, Hey, we do one-on-ones, you throw routes versus air, you do some seven-on-seven. Seven. Anytime there's an offense or defensive line involved, he's not involved. I don't care. It's no contact right now. Somebody could hit him, he could fall on his left shoulder, and something can happen. So you keep him out of that, that harm's way until you really feel comfortable and everything structurally sound that way too. That graphic that was just on the screen, if yeah. we can bring that back, that is sobering. Look at that. Jamarcus Russell. Eh. Matthew Stafford. Okay. But, okay. Sam Bradford. Eh. Yeah. Cam Newton. Yes. Andrew Luck. Look, he went 11-5 and in his first year, but he's not in the league anymore. He decided to walk away. Right. Jameis Winston, 6-10. and Jameis Winston competing to be the starter maybe in New Orleans. Jared Goff. Eh. It's 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 just amazing now. 2018, 19, 20, Mayfield, Murray, and Burrow, all three so far are showing indications that they're going to be yeah, on the right side they? of pass fail. 
But, man, even that number one overall pick, even when you've got the clear shot and it's whoever you want to choose off the board, it's far from a sure thing. And I know we regard Trevor Lawrence as a sure thing, but history tells us, yeah, recent history not. tells us, there, there is no sure thing. There is no sure thing, but I think that's what the love of Trevor Lawrence and why you heard some of the right the superlatives around him as in general generational talent and all of those type of things because I think he is viewed a little differently than most people on that list. I think a lot of people, as we talked about, viewed him in the process a lot like Andrew Luck. That's how a lot of people looked at him, who obviously was the, the crown jewel as far as success that rookie year after being a number one pick. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I get it. I think Trevor Lawrence, the best thing about Trevor Lawrence is he's, he's got unbelievable talent. We all, we've got all the it factors, everything like that, but there's still potential to grow as a player and be better. And the other thing is, I think where he's different than most of that list there, at least most of it, his, his floor is so high. Like I, I really think if Trevor Lawrence is like a bust, he's still going to be Jacksonville's starting quarterback for eight years and be like in the middle of the road as far as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like that's as bad as it gets. And I'd, I'd just be shocked if even it got that bad, really. Well, I mean, this is the franchise that tolerated Blake Bortles as a starter for five years. Yes. So what's eight? I mean, <laughs> right. the, bar, the bar's right. low. Sorry. Right. Sorry, Blake. Yeah. More hostile emails flowing into the official PFT email inbox uh, for that. Do you really comment. get that? Right. You get that stuff from those comments there? I, I, I hear from certain people whenever we criticize Blake Bortles. And I'm also directly is responsible for your assessment yes. of Blake Bortles. Well, that goes hand me. in hand. Yeah. I'm the Edgar Bergen and you're the Charlie McCarthy. Well, make a very, very that makes no record. sense. And I have no idea who either one of those guys are, old man. All right, old timer. All right. Well, who, Here we go. Here comes who we the go. music. Yep. yep. Who is it? Edward Berger. And who else did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll leave it to you, Chris, to research on your own time. OK. Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy. Right. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the context should give you an idea of what, what it's referring to, but I'll let Ed, Edgar Berger. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Trey Lance, the third overall pick in the draft, painstakingly selected by the 49ers. Oh, it was the guy they were going to draft all along. Never mind. Trey Lance says he's looking forward to learning as much as he can from Jimmy Garoppolo. Make your own joke. Uh, on that, but look, Trey Lance didn't ask to be thrust into this awkward spot that's he right just, he is he is and it's it's inherently awkward you got the guy that's the starter that took the team to the Super Bowl that the locker room is behind and the team has written him off now the organization not the locker room the organization's written him off because he can't stay healthy but he's still there and is he going to start is he going to play who knows meanwhile Trey Lance is trying to figure out this whole NFL thing while there's this potentially toxic and poisonous situation to to navigate that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have, that Zach Wilson doesn't have, that to a certain extent Justin Fields doesn't have because, right. you know, it's we not, know it's a matter of time yeah. before he leapfrogs Andy Dalton. And, and Andy Dalton's got no history with the Bears. There's no one in that locker room that is the slightest bit chafed about the prospect of Justin Fields putting Andy Dalton on the bench. No. So th this is just, an, th you know, now we are 17 days removed from the draft. And this is where... You know, you absorb the guy onto the team and you make it work. But but there's a natural, inherent 
awkwardness to the situation that Trey Lance is going to have to figure out how to deal with, Chris. A hundred percent, Mike. I mean, yeah, that that that's that's the current status of the situation with the 49ers. Hey, it's it's you you kind of said it. You unpacked it there. It's rare. I mean, think about what we're talking about here. You know, yes, it's a quarterback for an organization who's he wins. He wins a lot for their team. Jimmy Garoppolo when he's on the field, but that's the big if. So there's that aspect. And yes, the last time he was on the field all the time, they were, you know, going to the Super Bowl. So it is rare to see a team try to replace somebody like that. That makes the situation more intense and the microscope on it and everything like that, let alone like the draft circumstances that you mentioned and everything like that. That makes you know more pressure on the situation and makes it more awkward and everything about it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing situation. It really is. We're looking at a team that I think you and I and most people in football go – they're in the Super Bowl window, but yet how often do we say that about a team and go, but but they need a quarterback, but they want to change their quarterback. That's the weirdest thing on their football team, and I think that's what makes you know everything like you're talking about just a, a different set of circumstances here. You almost need to have one member of the coaching staff assigned to Trey Lance to constantly whisper in his ear, it's okay, it's all right, you're the guy, you're the guy, <laughs> yeah, don't right. worry about it, it's right, fine, right. it's fine, it'll be fine, you're the guy that's going to be here for the next 15 years. This will pass. Uh, Kyle Shanahan appearing with Michael Irvin on his podcast talking about the possibility that Trey Lance will indeed start despite the fact that everyone in the organization is sending the message that Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy in 2021. Let's hear from Coach Shanahan. You're saying that somehow if Trey comes in and he's off the charts. He looks like incredible on the field. He looks incredible in practice. There's a chance that Trey can right now win the starting job as the quarterback. Yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance for that at every single position on our team. So there definitely is the way that you're saying that about Trey. I'm not trying to give Florio some big headline that he makes right. an annoying statement out of. Right, right. Uh, but oh yeah, there is. Like right. it, I think that'll be very hard. Jimmy's a really good quarterback. He's not just coming in and trying to take out some bridge quarterback or something. Jimmy is a guy who we brought here to be our franchise quarterback, and it really worked out for one year, and it doesn't mean it can't work out. We just hope he stays healthy. Uh, well, now we know why. Now, yeah. now we know why three years as a head coach has aged Kyle so badly. Hey, Kyle, if you're worrying about me, you're definitely worrying about the wrong things. I can tell you that. For damn sure. If you're worrying about what I'm going to say about what you say, you should worry more about what you say, not what I'm going to say about what you say. I'm not the one that said Jimmy Garoppolo has to stay alive until Sunday. Well, I he, didn't say he that, never said right? Jimmy Garoppolo has to stay alive either. He made a reference to the whole oh. team. You made a headline okay. that said Jimmy Garoppolo okay. had to stay okay. alive. <laughs> I mean, he, okay. he's, he's the one who had to say that he blew that statement. We can quibble over yes. the details. No, I, I understand. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, hey, but, but Chris, hey, big guy, Chris, you're part you, of this. Could, so what? Listen, Deal with it. No, 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 no. I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't care. Hey, I listen. I'm listen. I I could be like Colin Coward and say, oh, oh, he's he's paying, he's listening, he's reading my website, he's he's listening to me. I don't care about that. What I care about is why in the hell does a guy who has far better things to worry about than me worried about me? Do you think Bill Belichick would ever say anything like that? I don't think Bill Belichick even knows who the hell I am. Yeah, oh, he that, does. And, and, he can play and I have all he wants, but he does. I have 
compared Kyle Shanahan to Bill Belichick. Right. I am not going to change my assessment of Kyle Shanahan as a coach. I don't like how the organization has handled the past two months, and I'm not afraid to say so. I don't like this weird shell game that I think they're playing with themselves over what the hell they're going to do at quarterback, and I think it all traces to blowing it on Patrick Mahomes, blowing it on Tom Brady, and this year they freaked out. And the 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 result of this multi-week freakout is where we are right now. Well, hey, listen, I, I mean, I, I don't deny any of that, you know, but I'm not going to sit here and get mad. Like, listen, Mike, you're 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 kind of a big part of the NFL. No, I mean, no, yo, no, 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 no. No, no most no, coaches stop. in football. No, I'm. I'm. This is okay. dead serious. I'm not trying to give stop. you. No, stop. most. Stop shut it. up. You're going to have to hear it. You're going to. You're going to have to hear it. Be fine. Your most coaches <laughs> are paying attention to your website. Your your website is a huge part of the narrative <laughs> okay. that goes on in the NFL. Right. It is. So he doesn't he's he's just being very self aware and yeah, maybe taking a little fun shot at you as he goes there. All right. Wasn't but, fun for me. Well it was <laughs> it fun. Was, it was all right. You're <laughs> no, good. No. You're good. No. As tough as uh, you are and as stubborn S O B that hey, you are, you're fine. Listen. Don't you worry. <laughs> I, I and I like Kyle, and I'm not going to change my opinion of yeah. him because of that. That's fine. He can he can say what he wants. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But part of our job is to call out BS, and I think a lot of BS has been flowing out of the 49ers headquarters strategically because you can't always bear your soul. I get it. You can't come out and say exactly what you want to do. I still think it was odd for them to play whatever game they played once they moved up to the third spot. They knew they were getting whoever was left after Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. Worst case scenario, they get one of those two guys instead. No one was going to jump them for whoever they wanted. They, they just, they've, they've created this gratuitous, unnecessary mystery. Yeah, okay. And, and, it's, and it's led to this, this, this stew that they're now going to have to pick through. To make sure Trevor Lawrence is okay, the locker room's okay. What are we going to do with Jimmy G? It, it's 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 just more trouble than it's worth for a team that is on the cusp of being a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl winner. They've already been a Super Bowl team. They're on the cusp of being a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, and no, Mike, listen, I, I'm not going to argue much with what you said there. You're right. Some of the optics of the way the things were done with the draft and everything like that, yeah, they're a little weird. I don't know what else to say. You know, Shanahan Lynch did what they thought they had to do to make sure they got the right quarterback. Yeah, I don't buy some of the stuff they're selling either. I'm with you. I don't know if they really need to make that move up there that aggressively and do all that as well. But obviously they felt a real desperate need that they needed to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo or that they need to make a move to start that process going and that they like these quarterbacks. And I just think with that comment there, even though it's like, you know, of course and all that, you know, it's, I, it's, I think it's a very real possibility. Again, like we said, we know there's got to be competition and it's not going to be easy to beat Jimmy Garoppolo like Shanahan said and all those type of things. But to what you said, they've made a mess of the bed and it's a big situation and there's a microscope on it. I think that makes more pressure to put the guy in and play, let alone the fact that we discussed many times, like the biggest issue is he hasn't played enough anyways. So you know, I, I think that as long as that Trey Lance continues to show growth, improvement, that the situation's not too big, you know, I, I do think that they're going to do their best to get him in there and get him in there early. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him start in week one. I think Shanahan has the offense and the brains and the scheme and the creativity to bring a guy like that along and not have it be like all on him and he's going to blow the game with one pass or something like that. Let me ask you this. Yes. If there's any truth to the notion 
that when they made the move from 12 to 3 back in late March, Kyle Shanahan intended to select Alabama quarterback Mac Jones and was gradually, persistently, and inevitably nudged toward Trey Lance. Right. And it really wasn't the guy he wanted. Does that make Kyle more likely to say he's not ready? Or does it make it more likely for him to accelerate it as a message to whoever wanted him, hey, we want a guy who's game ready. You think he's game ready? Here we go. Let's see. Here, let's We'll put him out there and see what he can do. You guys are the ones that pushed me for him. I wanted a guy who's ready to play. We're going to find out if he's ready to play. Which way do you think he's more likely to go? I think to accelerate it. I think the whole situation has more pressure on it to like accelerate it and make it go. And, like, yeah, I, you know, some of the optics around it to, like, what you're saying. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a believer. And the people I know around the league and things like that, yeah, I think that they they made that move for Mac Jones. I do, you know. And I don't. I again, I think also with the optics of the situation, it's like you said, it's a team that's a Super Bowl ready, and almost everybody, the one thing everybody was in consensus about was that Mac Jones was the most pro ready day one guy. So that's to me where I still believe that that move was made for him. Um, but yeah, I think with all those things we've talked about. I, do, I think it does put more pressure uh, on him and, and on Shanahan and like Trey Lance to kind of get this ball rolling and, and get it going and, and start playing football. Uh, I haven't thought about it a lot, but uh, I think so, Mike. I think it does, don't you? I, I could see at some level. You could do either now, way. Now again, I get you. My, my, my theory is that there's some Svengali in that organization that allows Kyle – to move on his own to the place where they want him to go, just like when he pivoted from Kirk Cousins to Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. And John Lynch is the one out of whose mouth the truth from time to time accidentally emerges, like when he said Kyle was in mourning when he didn't get Kirk Cousins and he got Jimmy Garoppolo instead. But I feel like there's somebody there who convinces Kyle on his own to pivot in a different direction. And if that's what happened if Kyle genuinely made the decision on his own and he doesn't realize there's somebody that's trying to you know pull the strings to get him to do it then he is all in with Trey Lance and he's all in with the plan on Trey Lance and 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 you know he's not going to say well I'm you know this guy's not ready this guy's not ready you guys wanted him look he's not ready I got to go with Jimmy G I wanted Mac Jones no Kyle got to the point where he wanted Trey Lance so he's going to be all in with Trey Lance I agree and and it does make sense to get him on the field sooner than later and I know that Jed York has said, "Oh, it's a good problem to have if Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and they play really well." But but it's I don't not think a good that's a good problem. <laughs> I'm with that's you. Not that's not a good not. problem to have. It's not. It's you, a you disaster, know, it, actually. It, it's it's not like the guy walks out the door and steps on a banana peel and breaks his leg. He played the full 2019 season. Chances are he'll play the full 2021 season, and the team is very good despite his flaws. Yeah. Then you have a problem. Yeah, I agreed. That that's to me the dicey part of the situation. Like we talked about early on in this, this you know, right after the draft, before the draft, right? I mean, we talked about it. You could see the scenario: Jimmy Garoppolo starting, and oh, it's week ten, and the 49ers are eight and two. Okay, doesn't look like Trey Lance is playing this year. Oh wait, the 49ers went to the playoffs. You know, and lost only a handful of games and maybe won a playoff game, maybe two. Okay, now we're going to make the change now with all the pressure and, and more people in the locker room and the fan base liking Jimmy Garoppolo even more now? That's, yeah, that's to me, I'm with you, Mike. That, that is, that's trouble. That's how you can have a real issue in an organization. So uh, that, that's where I would favor getting Lance on the field as well.
you better be damn sure that Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes because it was never an issue in Kansas City when they nudged Alex Smith aside after consistently going to the playoffs and realizing there was only so far he could take them. If you don't bring in a guy who takes you farther, you got a problem. So it puts more eggs in that basket for Trey Lance if that's how it plays out. But I I still think that, number one, they're hoping for a pathway to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and get maximum value. And number two, if Lance is ready to go, I'm telling you, mid to late August, they approach Don Yee, Garoppolo's agent, and say, we can't pay you $25 million this year. We'll pay you twelve, And if you can't do that, we're going to have to let you go, period, because our other guy's ready. Sorry, Jimmy. We paid you a lot of money over the past few years. We're sorry it's, not, it's come to this, but this is just the way it is. I mean, that, that's one way that the dominoes fall if Trey Lance is ready and if the 49ers don't get an opportunity to unload that contract. Yeah. No, I, I, I could see that. I could see I mean, uh, yeah. You know, there's there's some wiggle room here for the 49ers, and I do agree with you in the fact that, you know, they could stand pat for right now, see where things go. You're right. Trey Lance does well in training camp preseason. Okay, there's a team that needs somebody. Maybe that's when they do try to, you know, maximize their trade value for a Jimmy Garoppolo, something like that. But, yeah, if that doesn't happen, and as of right now, there's not really going to be any suitors out there for Jimmy G unless something happens. Then it's like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Is Trey Lance going to start week one? We're going to start Jimmy G and infuse Trey Lance into certain plays during the game? Or are we going to start Jimmy G with the mind of like what, what the, the Dolphins did last year? Where they could go, ah, screw it. We're five and two, but we don't give a damn. We're taking Fitzpatrick out and we're going with our rookie. I don't know. That's, a, that's on the table too. So maybe that's something that, you know, they got some they got some different avenues to to take here, and we'll see how it plays out. And if they let this thing play out through training camp in the preseason, the one risk that they consciously are taking is the possibility that the serious quarterback injury happens to them. Garoppolo tears in ACL, and $25 million is gone forever because at that point he goes on IR and he gets every penny of it. So it's all calculated. It's all deliberate. There's a plan, but there is risk every step of the way. The Bears' plan is a lot cleaner than that. Yes, they paid eight figures to Andy Dalton, but when they made the move from 20 to 11 on draft night to get Justin Fields, it became clear that at some point it's going to be Justin Fields' ball game. Here is Fields and Coach Matt Nagy from the weekend talking about the possibility of Fields becoming the starting quarterback. As a competitor, you're always out to perform your best and anytime you've stepped into a program, you've been thinking about winning the starting quarterback job. Do you take that same mentality as you start rookie minicamp and all these offseason workouts that you're going to do everything you can to win the starting quarterback job? Of course. I mean, I think everybody on our team should be striving for a starting job. And if you're not, then there's no reason for you to be here. So, um, of course, I'm going to do everything that I can to you know, get that starting job. And, you know, um, it's, it's really... You know, it's 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 not up to me. You know, Coach Nagy he has a set plan on you know my development and, and and stuff like that. But I'm just gonna you know work hard and keep my head down and just 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 keep grinding it out every day. And will Fields get any first team reps between now and Week One? Right. So what I would say is this: is um, as we work through with Justin and where he's at with this offense, we know that it's going to take a little bit of time here in this offseason as we get into training camp. And so we're, you know, uh, Andy is the starter. Andy's going to get the one reps. And what we're telling Justin and, and Nick to do is make sure that they're doing everything they can 
to try to be that guy. And, and that's that competition part. And I know that for everybody, the biggest question is, is when is, is, is that going to happen? When you go up to draft a quarterback um, like Justin, everyone's very excited and, and they want to know when, when, when. And, and trust me, we all understand that. But we need to make sure that whatever that plan is that we put together, that it's the best thing for, for the Chicago Bears. And, and I think the easiest way to, for all of us to, to simply think of this is it'll all happen for those quarterbacks. They'll all play however they're supposed to play, and we're all going to see whatever we're supposed to see. And then it's our job as evaluators of, of who they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make the Bears the best team possible. That's it. I'm glad he put it that way. What's in the best interest of the Bears? Well, on draft night, it was in the best interest of the Bears to move from 20 to 11, give up a first-round pick next year and a fourth-round pick and a fifth-round pick to make that flip-flop. So if it's in the best interest of the Bears to go up nine spots and give up all that extra draft capital to get Justin Fields, you assume it's in the best interest of the Bears to get the guy ready and get him on the field. But at the same time, you don't want to accelerate to the point where it becomes detrimental. And I do believe they... Some teams like to put a guy farther down on the depth chart so he can build some confidence as he passes Nick Foles, as he passes Andy Dalton. Because at the end of the day, all due respect to Andy Dalton, if you can't beat out Andy Dalton, why in the hell are the 11th overall pick in the draft? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, you know, again, they can preach patience here. There's no doubt. Hey, we know, like you're saying, Justin Fields has more pure, raw talent than Andy Dalton and can definitely do things where we'd go, whoa, that's special. Andy Dalton can't do that. It's going to be about everything we talked about in the draft, though. And I think that's where Matt Nagy is trying to just, like, probably smooth things over. I think most people viewed Justin Fields as a guy that, hey, needs some polish, needs some work as a passer, and do those type of things to where that's where I think Nagy is trying to keep pressure off the situation just to – Hey, let's let this guy, you know, buy some time, get used to playing here, get the offense, do all of those type of things. But I think ultimately, like, uh, I'm with you. I just think it's a matter of time, too. When you make that type of move, those type of assets, you know, it's not Andy Dalton. He's not the future. You know what he is. I mean, I would think that as long as Justin Fields just is is in the mix as the talk of you know starting week or starting and being in that conversation that I, I would make that move if I'm Chicago but I don't know where that's going to go and they're going to evaluate it and we'll see how Justin Fields does and and the Bears are not tucked into the nine game cluster at 1 p.m eastern week one they have a prime time date with the Rams which makes their situation even more conspicuous. Whoever is starting, it's going to be a big topic. And if it's Dalton on the field that night, there's going to be a lot of talk about fields. There's going to be a lot of shots of fields on the sideline. And if fields is playing well, he better be ready to go. And with Andy Dalton, look, this is a guy who came in, started right away because Carson Palmer quit on the Bengals back in 2011, took the team to five straight playoff berths, but he's never been in this situation where he's been pushed hard from behind. The closest he came was when A.J. McCarron showed up and 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 you know p- played pretty well when Dalton broke his thumb trying to make a tackle after an interception. It, it, do you see a viable possibility here that being pushed like this from behind will nudge Andy Dalton to a higher level? I, I, I don't think so. I don't. I just I think we know and we've seen we, we know what Andy Dalton's all about at this point. 
Yeah, it's a good arm. It's a pretty good athlete, you know, but it's it's not anything great or special that way. So he's a real professional. You know, he's got he's played in a lot of big moments. He's battle tested. He's played in the end of big time football games and come through a number of times to help his team win all of those type of things. But no, I think this is like specifically one that's truly about just Justin Fields and where he is at his development. And, you know, the other thing I'll say in, like, Justin Fields' defense as compared to, let's say, a Trey Lance, listen, Shanahan's a genius. Matt Nagy, nobody is saying that right now, right, with Trey Lance in that situation, all right? The other thing is, is, like, the 49ers offense and everything they got, they got, they're set. When you look at their other 10 guys on their offense, it's an NFL all-star team. I mean, Kittle, Juszczyk, Trent Williams, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Mostert. I mean, holy crap. Maybe the, one of the best offensive lines in football. Chicago's got to be a little careful, too, just to first go, like, wait, wait let's, how are we going to be offensively? What are we going to do on this side of the ball? Is our offense good enough that we feel like we could put a rookie in there and things won't fall apart? So there is going to be a little bit of a different assessment, I think, you know, as far as fields in that situation in Chicago as compared to Trey Lance with the 49ers and a team that's in the Super Bowl window. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And look, you've got a lot of jobs in Chicago this year or next year riding on whether or not Justin Fields becomes the guy. And, you know, to the extent that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy got ownership to buy into this trade-up, giving up next year's first-round pick to address a quarterback, uh, my first reaction was this means these guys have two, two years. years. Yeah. So so why do you want to rush it? If the final exam is what does Justin Fields become, why do you want to rush it and potentially screw it up? You're going to want to take your time because this year becomes a scholarship year. 2022 becomes the year that you got to prove that Justin Fields is the guy in order to stick around beyond that. I think that's a factor that we I need to take right. into account as well. I, I think that's spot on, Mike. I think you're right, and that buttons it up pretty, pretty damn good right there. But I, I think that's uh, certainly a part of it, and I do think it gives them – you know, like you're saying, a, a red shirt year here to kind of get him ready and it all make it about 2022. Speaking of buttoning things up, the Texans would love to button up their relationship with Deshaun Watson, but the 22 pending lawsuits complicate that. What David Culley said or didn't say about Watson over the weekend, plus where things stand on the possibility that he could get these cases resolved and potentially return to the NFL with a team other than the Texans. We'll talk about that next year on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150. 
with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. David, we haven't spoken to you since the first of 22 lawsuits was filed against Deshaun Watson. Do you expect him to be at minicamp or OTAs? Uh, We have nothing to say about that situation at this time. Uh, uh, Kyle and ownership uh, a few weeks back uh, indicated uh, about how our organization feels about the situation. Uh, I think when Nick was on not long ago, we mentioned that uh, he also mentioned that uh, the legal process is in effect right now. And we're going to we're going to respect that and and going to go from there. But do you expect to see him this offseason at all? Like regardless of the legal issues? I have nothing to say about that at this time. David Culley from over the weekend at Rookie Minicamp talking about Deshaun Watson, or more accurately, not talking about Deshaun Watson. When we last heard from him, podcast quotes had emerged where he, for the first time, seemed to open the door on the possibility of a trade. Then he showed up for the press conference not long after those quotes emerged, and somebody apparently had gotten to him and told him to revert to the we're not trading Deshaun Watson playbook. But Look, Chris, this isn't surprising now. The Texans are watching and waiting and hoping at some level that these cases do get resolved because although I've heard that some teams are trying to engage the Texans now with these lawsuits pending, if that's true, and I don't know that it is, I think the Texans are resisting engaging in any discussions now because with those lawsuits, the value in trade is necessarily lower than if the lawsuits get resolved. And there's definitely an effort to try to get the cases resolved. And what we saw last week in the back and forth between Tony Busby, who represents the 22 women, and Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, that's something that emerged once they had tried to resolve the cases. And the big sticking point, and this turns everything on its head from what we usually see, the big sticking point is Rusty Harden, on behalf of Deshaun Watson, wants no confidentiality, no one to be muzzled in any way about the amount of the settlement, any of the facts. You can talk about it all you want. The lawyer for the plaintiffs is the one who, according to Harden, wants everything to be confidential. And and that's where they reach their impasse, and that's why this isn't done. And it's unclear whether or not they can get past that. And if they don't, the cases have to go forward. I, I mean, yes, I, I would think at base level, right? I mean, of course, Houston wants all things settled. I mean, yes, so they can move on, whether that's they want to keep Deshaun Watson or, like you said, get the, the ball rolling on a trade offer to where, yeah, I'm sure teams are keeping their eye on this situation. And, like, you know, to what you were saying a little, Mike, yeah, the value of the trade is certainly down right as of right now, but, like, there's, there, I, I can't even imagine a team making a legit trade offer or being aggressive when you don't know how this is going to play out at this moment. So that's where, to me, it's kind of a, 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 a dead point, and we just got to let it play out and see where it goes. But, like, I don't expect to hear Houston make any comments about Deshaun Watson at this point, right? I mean, am, am I wrong to think, like, hey, they don't want to be liable to anything here as far as just making any comment on the situation – 
to maybe now us read into that to like, oh, they were hoping this happens or this happens, and and that's where they could be liable at some point. So I would expect them to say hush-hush about this. I don't know if there's anything they'd be liable for yeah. in that sense. It just makes no sense for them to say anything for – Overall, best interest of the team. We talked about the best interest of the Bears last segment, best interest of the Texans. Say nothing, wait, and hope that these cases get resolved so that then they can move on from Deshaun Watson. Because I think at this point, the minute they are resolved, that's when the the auction for the contract begins. And And if the cases do get resolved, I think it does potentially put the Texans in line to get a significant return. Because even though there's a very strong likelihood Watson will be suspended by the league, even if all the cases are resolved today, yeah. teams are willing to take him on yes. knowing that that vague reality is out there. Get it over with 2021 season, four games, six games, eight games. That's kind of the number that's, that's bouncing around, although no one really knows what's going to happen. That's the estimate. Uh, and then you move forward and you have Deshaun Watson for the next 10, maybe 15 years. Yeah. If if it all works out well and you keep him happy contractually and he plays well. So there will be teams that are interested. There are teams that are interested. And, and again, I don't know that this is true, but there's definitely some scuttlebutt that teams are even now trying to engage the Texans and they're not being responsive. And I think the easy explanation is there's no reason to be now. You don't want to start a conversation in a universe where the lawsuits drag down what the trade value is, let's just wait until the cases are over, if yeah. they can be resolved. And I still think there's a pathway to a resolution, Chris. Look, they've got to worry about the criminal investigation that could morph into a prosecution, although it's going to be very hard to prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt. They've also got to worry about the NFL. The NFL is watching everything that's being said, everything that's being done. And that's one of the reasons, Chris, that I firmly believe Rusty Harden wants no confidentiality to attach to any of these settlements. They want to do nothing that will frustrate the efforts of the NFL to get to the bottom of this, to get to the truth. They're, they're comfortable with that, and they don't want to be perceived as hiding anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense, yes. I, I mean, he's already been taken you know, through the wash as far as like Deshaun Watson's concerned. It's all out there. So he's probably at this point like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I want them to be held, you know, to their word and things like that. I, I get that, you know, and Mike, I'm with you. I know there's teams that are still Watson's very much on their radar still. And yeah, it's weird. I get it. But when you're definitely one of the five best players in the NFL, yeah, you can have these type of circumstances and teams know you're going to get suspended and they're still going to want you on their team because Deshaun Watson's a franchise superstar quarterback who just started the prime of his career. And that means he's got like 10 years left of really good football. And so teams are going to be interested in that no matter what, really, unless something really crazy got thrown out here and just it was a no-win no situation. But I fully expect at some point there to be a market for him. There's currently no reason to think he's never going to play football again. Would he play this year? Who knows? Yeah. Would he play next year if these cases aren't resolved? Who knows? But at some point, he's going to be back, and he plays a position where you can play into your 40s now, well into your 40s, as we see with Tom Brady. And and he's established himself, Deshaun Watson has, as one of the best in the game. So he'll be playing for somebody at some point, barring something very unexpected and and basically shocking at this point that would end his career for good let's take a break when we return the second running back drafted in this year's process didn't play running back in his rookie minicamp we'll explain when pft live continues right after this 
saw you today with a one-handed catch. Are those things that you, you feel like uh, you may, maybe two years ago you might not have been able to do to make those kind of plays? Is that why you went back to, to Alabama that last year to get better in that part of your game? Or what? <laughs> where are you from? Did you, where you, did you, you always cover Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I mean, I've always been catching the ball, man. The reason why I say it is because every time somebody says I'm talking question, about the one, the one-handed catch, and, and, and you nearly caught the one behind I always back. do that. Okay. I always do that. All right. <laughs> always, not, not to brag or nothing, but it's like, it's like, what the heck? Like, you think it's just, it wasn't luck. I can tell you that since y'all was watching, I'll do it again. Nah, I'm going to get in But, I mean, like, it just, I mean, it, it just, it's, it's not something I, I work on. It's just, I mean, I've been doing that since, like, middle school. I mean, it's just. I got big hands, man. <laughs> He's got a great smile, and that's going to give him a lot of leeway to basically say whatever he wants to say. As long as you're flashing that smile, you you can get into it a little bit with the media. And it was funny. At one point, he was surprised that they were able to ask specific questions about things they saw at practice. He was like, you guys were at practice? Yeah. Like, yeah, we were standing up over top. Oh, I thought you guys were boosters. Because boosters, Nick I love Saban, it. Yeah. Nick, Nick Saban's, Nick Saban's not letting any media in to watch practice. No, exactly right. He's like, wait, wait. The media never asks us about specific <laughs> things, and we we cornered the market over in Alabama, and we run the show. We know who watches practice, practices, yeah, and boosters. Yeah, the Steelers got boosters. That's right. No, there's only one booster on the Steelers. It's the Rooney family. That's the only booster you got to worry about. So you don't have to worry about shaking hands with all them. But he does. He's got a cool personality. We saw that at the end of the college football playoff and some of those interviews and everything like that. And just seems like perfect player, perfect team, trying to change the mantra of the team there, the Steelers, with what they do on offense. And he's going to be a, a, a big part of it, if not the main part of it. 49 years after Franco Harris, they have Najee Harris, and they can only hope he so has. So funny. Half the impact that Franco had. All right, uh, Travis Etienne taken one spot after Najee Harris by the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of questions about, oh, we got the running back. James Robinson undrafted last year. Now we have Etienne. Well, at rookie minicamp, Travis Etienne, the whole time, Chris, lined up as a receiver, not as a running back a single time. Well, hey, uh, it's cool. It's cool to hear. Etienne has special pass catching ability Mike right we talked about it during the draft process it's an Alvin Kamara ish type of football player so that where that's where it makes sense it's rookie minicamp they're not running live drills between the tackles anyways so they're going this is a great chance or to get this guy better at a position where we think it's going to really stress defenses out and I would think at a base level hey this was what part of the reason of why they drafted this guy here because you can have him and James Robinson on the field at the same time. And I would think James Robinson's going to have phases of, of when they get in town, the, the veterans, where he'll be playing a ton of receiver. So you won't know, oh, wait, it's two backs in the backfield. One guy's going to block. Oh, wait, the next play now, that guy's out of slot receiver. And he's running a real route like a receiver would. And that's going to put teams in a bind. That's kind of how I envision, you know, the, the Urban Meyer offense working. That's, that's what I thought of as soon as I saw them draft. ATN in the first round. It's a little bit of the Bill Belichick approach where you have guys who are versatile on the field who can create mismatch problems 
and yes. you you drop the pedal to the metal and go no huddle. Exactly. And you start moving these guys around every snap, and the defense doesn't know how to respond. No, that's exactly what it is. It's it's about you know keeping the defense into uncomfortable positions personnel wise, right? You know, it's it's what are you gonna do? Oh, it's two backs in the backfield. Oh, you'd like to have that extra linebacker in here now, wouldn't you? Oh, okay, yeah, bring him in. Yeah, it's two backs in the backfield. Oh. You got the big slow linebacker in now? Oh, look, now we're basically in a three wide receiver set. We put ATN out of the backfield at receiver. Oh, you got that big backer in there now. You wish you had a DB in there, right? Oh, no, you don't have him. So we're going to throw the ball. You're exactly right. To me, that's what it would be, I would think, along with that pace. And they can run both of those guys and know that they're going to be fresh and ready to go and keep the pressure on you that way. Uh, makes sense to me, at least. And if you really want to get nuts, you send Trevor Lawrence out wide and you put a tight end in shotgun. Oh, play. baby, that's it. That's what you should do, Jacksonville. Just sign Tebow, make him the backup quarterback. <laughs> and every who. time you get in the five-yard line, let Tebow run for the touchdown. And then maybe you could have a quarterback controversy and like Tebow can maybe take Trevor Lawrence's job. Like that, come. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I want to see what the hell they're gonna do there. Still, I'm. I'm. I'm very interested. I've, I've, well, well, Urban Meyer continues to talk about. Yes, right. But not. And, and Sunday they were gonna have a little powwow and talk it through and figure out what they're gonna do about Tim Tebow. We'll see. But I, there was something that I saw tweeted. I think by Kurt Warner because he's like, I don't get this whole concern about. Tim Tebow, he, you know, he's the kind of guy any team would want. Well, then why doesn't any other team sign him? Why isn't any other team looking at him? Why has it been nine years since any NFL team has shown him any interest whatsoever? Exactly. That For, in and of itself is what stands out to me. No doubt. It, it, again, it's the most white privilege sports story I've I, ever seen. I, I know you don't like that. I don't it. care. It that's is. That's not it. It's crazy. That's not it. It's crazy. Urban Meyer's the one guy who was going to sign Tim Tebow. I know, but that's people it. think there's a faction of people, and not to blame Kurt Warner here, just he's the jump off point, but they're like, what's the big deal? I, I, maybe he should start. I mean, I don't know. There's a problem here. There, that's why he has not, no right being there. It's not, but it's not. I, like, I know I, it's a personal relationship thing. You're right. I, I, it's a personal relationship thing. It's not a white privilege thing. And I only say that because you don't make your email address available, and I do. Yeah. Well, so I'm the one that gets the uh, emails about it, yeah. and I, I, I disagree that it's a white privilege thing. It is Urban Meyer's the one guy, and it is teacher's pet. And he's going to get on the 90-man roster, and they're not just going to let him dangle and cut him. They're going to find a way to put him on the practice squad, and they're going to find a way to put him in a uniform, and they're going to find a way to sell those jerseys. They're going to find a way to sell those tickets. That's why they're doing it. That's what I believe. We'll see whether or not the facts bear that out. Let's take a break. More from Rookie Minicamp when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.